our opening gathering space, we lend our we led ourselves into a space that was consecrated and holy. And I want to talk today about the birth of holiness as it is in our perception. So we, when we talk about what is holy, we often say it's a specific place or a specific person that's been given a title of some holiness. But the truth of it is that holiness is an inside job. Nothing can be holy for you until you're willing to inhabit your own holiness. Nothing can be holy for you until you're willing to inhabit your own holiness. The truth of who you are is that you are innately holy. The holy mind, body, spirit is the truth of who we are. It's our birth nature. It's how we came in. When babies come in and we see them in the sweetness of, the, of creation and of the birth of something so fragile and yet so complex and has such inherent strength in it to be able to survive this birthing process and then this environment that it's come into innately has a holiness to it. We see that, we smell that. We smell that in the birth, not just of a human baby, but of animals when they're first born and of little sapling trees. We feel holiness, we smell holiness, we touch holiness. It's all around us. And yet how often we will look at that as only being an external possibility. And we really have to be able to identify it in ourselves to fully live into that. We are truth at our core. So as human beings, we make a lot of mistakes. That's the nature of being a human being. That's how we learn, how we work out, how we work through, how it is to be in this human form. But we cannot search for our eternal nature through the level of the physical world where mistakes are routine. We cannot search for our eternal nature through the level of the physical world where mistakes are routine. So if you're looking for your holiness and your, the eternal nature that you are, and you're constantly being bombarded by the idea of the fragility of being human and of the mistakes and the flaws, we will not be able to see and touch the eternal nature that we are. And how often we are able to see something more holy in someone else than we are in ourselves. We're very hard on ourselves. We're very hard on ourselves. We need to connect with the truth of who we are, even though we may have been labeled, diminished, disempowered in the physical world. Everyone on this call, I imagine, will have a story that they could contribute to something in either their upbringing, in their childhood, or maybe in their early adulthood, or maybe just recently in their life, where they have been disempowered, labeled, or diminished from the fullness and truth of who they are because of some external construct that somebody else has decided was truth, reality, eternal or not. And then they've labeled us according to that, whatever the, that, that structure is. Beyond the veil of the material world lies who we are. So we're veiled, we come in veiled and we spend our lifetime and our journey, our spiritual journey, journey to become unveiled, to pull apart the veil that's covering us, that has us seen through something that's opaque instead of transparent. We want our vision and our perception to be able to see transparently into what is truth. 
One cannot perceive the quality through the lens of the physical world criteria. The criteria that's set up for the physical world doesn't allow us to see the quality of the eternal nature of truth. Sometimes you just happen upon it. We happen upon it and we are maybe pleasantly surprised or stunned or maybe speechless. But this should be our everyday life. This should be how we are experiencing the world rather than the exception, it should be the norm. We have to use something other than our five senses to know ourselves and to know other. Where we hold all things as possible is in what we often refer to as the heart space, but it's not just there, but we try to give a term to it because we're trying to hold something that's ethereal and formless with some form so we can understand how do I hold the eternal nature and the holiness of who I am and who other is in a language that doesn't actually define it. So we're using the senses that are never going to match up to the experience of holiness, but that's the way we can communicate in the way we can measure. So we have to be willing to step into something that is not measurable and is not set on the criteria that has come before. A place where we can meet without the trappings of the physical world, the judgments that we have and others have placed upon certain behaviors, certain attitudes, certain possibilities. We have to step beyond that. That's our responsibility. No one's gonna hand that to us and say, oh, here, I'm going to let you have an experience of reality and truth and eternal nature just because you're a nice person. This is a restructuring of our own truth. And until we take responsibility to restructure how we're experiencing ourselves and then ourselves into the world and other in the world, we're going to have the constructs of other people and cultures and society decide for us how we're having an experience of holiness. Holiness is our birthright. And it is something that we can carry day to day in the ways that we offer ourselves into the world. This is so in alignment with the Course in Miracles because we want to be in the place of I am love, not I do love, but I am love. I want to experience that as I show up, I show up as love in this package that I call myself. It's just a package. But the essence of love, the eternal nature, the creativity, the co-creation of love goes beyond what I can contain in this package. We have to remember that the eternal nature cannot be found on the level of the physical world. We have to remind ourselves that all the beauty and the lovely experience that we can have in the physical world is fabulous, but it doesn't tap us into eternal nature, which is where holiness sits when we understand that that perfection and that eternal nature that we came with is already with us. We don't have to achieve it. We only have to unveil it. Somebody else in your life does not have to be aware of this teaching in order for you to see the purity or the eternal nature in them. So you can see it in someone else when they may not see it in themselves but it's very difficult for us to see it in others when we don't acknowledge it on some level in ourselves. That which we experience in ourselves is what we project for how we experience other. So if you wanna see the world as love and light, you have to become love and light. 
So every way that you show up in the world and all of the attitudes that you bring have to embody that. I cannot see someone's purity if I'm not in the space of knowing my own holiness or it won't be easy for me to see it unless I've placed them in some construct like a building or a label. They're, they have a label that says to me, in our culture, we believe this label means you're holy. So I'll give it to priests and whatever. I'll give it to certain types of people. I hand it over to them. We see how dangerous that is. That has happened in historically where we've handed over just by a title that somebody is that. We have to be able to see more deeply than that. We have to do our own work. Life brings us situations which will prove to be unholy. That's the way life's gonna show up. We have to claim holiness. We have to use the power of our mind to aim towards holiness. Some of the ways that we do that is that we send love before us. We don't wait to show up and be loved. We send it ahead. We send it in our affirmations and in our prayers and in our meditation and in the ways that we imagine the world to be and how we're going to walk into it. We send love already there. We ask to be a blessing in the world, not to just be in the world, but to be a blessing every day. You are all that. We consciously ask for that because that's retraining our mind to be in that space. It's retraining a commitment that you're making to being in relationship with your holiness. So you ask in the morning, let me be a blessing into the world. And we ask for guidance from whatever, wherever it comes from for you, however you want to language that. We ask for that support. And we ask for the service of our mind to be in accordance with our heart and truth and reality. So I wanna be in alignment with how my heart is responding. I wanna be in alignment with what truth with a capital T and reality with the capital R. If we don't invoke this, our mind runs amok. This is why we try to harness our mind with mudras and mantras and chanting and all the things we do because the mind will naturally want to go someplace else until we train it to want to send love before us, to want to ask that we're a blessing into the world, to ask that we have guidance. This is the way that we prepare ourselves so that we can shore up the possibility that we are that light in the world and that we are reclaiming that holiness that we are and that we show up with that. If we don't take mastery of our mind, other influences will happily do so. They do every day, social media, how many people have trouble with social media where it is affecting them in their emotional stability and in their sense of self and their reflection on how they are offering into the world? Addiction to anything in the physical world, whether it's shopping or eating or food or um, alcohol, or it doesn't matter. You can name any addiction you want, but this is ways that our mind is happily taking over what's happening even physically in our body because we didn't take mastery of our mind first. This is our responsibility to have mastery. We will become preoccupied with where we have fallen short instead of where we have succeeded if we let the mind run amok. Whether you intentionally invite in holiness, you either do that, you either intentionally invite in holiness and light or darkness and doubt will happily take up the space. Something's gonna fill the space. It's not gonna be empty. Let us be in charge of what fills that space. Let us have that buoyancy into our life, that vitality into our life. 
let's take it by the hand and say, that's how I'm going to be in my life. That's how I'm going to open up my day and how I'm going to close my day. We cannot leave it up to the universe to provide. We have to take responsibility to set this as our default position. Take mastery over our mind and our thought forms so that we can have mastery within the universe. There's a level of mastery that's beyond our understanding. And we may not believe it until we take responsibility for the thought process and our mind process. We harness that and a whole nother power comes on a line, online for us. If you treat the universe as concrete truth, just when it's convenient for you, you won't have the power of that. We have to start knowing what is really truth. And truth has to be truth all the time, not some of the time. So that's the difference between a big T and a little T. There are truths that are true all the time and there are truths that are just relevant in this moment. It's true in this moment that it's cold in the room. That's not an eternal nature truth. We have to start discerning between the two. Too many times we buy into something because it's true in this moment and we make it true ongoing. We can't do that. Set, that's setting us up for a default position that is not where we want to be operating out of. It's all or nothing. We either decide that we're going to have a pleasant reprieve from pain and we say sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's just pleasant in the moment. Or we decide it's all. We're going to have power and we're going to have a shift of our consciousness. Always, all, 100%. Why do we want to do 80%, 50%, 20%? We can live into that 100%. That's where, we want to, that's where we want to live out of. So what we want to look at for this week going forward is that we start seeing reality and truth with the small r and a small t because that's what's in the moment. And we see it in that moment. We understand this may not be an eternal truth, but it's truth now. And I'm not going to cover up that truth with story. I'm going to understand it as truth. I'm going to be as clear as possible so that I can make contact with this holiness that's in me through recognizing and experiencing and articulating truth and reality. I'm going to get out of story. And I'm going to recognize that in the physical condition, it's often temporal. It's happening just in the moment. It's happening and it's passing. It's not staying. That truth is truth now. And in the next breath, it's not true. Not by someone's default, but just because the nature of change and creation but I want to spend my time looking for and living into what is the, the T, capital T in truth and the capital R in reality of where I'm outside of my physical knowing and experiences. There's another level. I want to move into that level. I want to enjoy the physical senses and all of that experiences. That's beautiful. We're seeing sights and we're smelling and we're tasting. It's fabulous. But don't live in that as the connection to your holiness, because you will limit the capacity to touch it as deeply and profoundly and consistently as you deserve to. That's happening on another level of perception. Let's not get hijacked by the physical container that we're in. Let's enjoy it, love it, experience it, but let's allow that there's a deeper, more profound level of experiencing our life. And we wanna sit in that place.